I told Marshawn, I was like, bro, I think we're gonna have to re-record this project. Like, redo the whole thing with Drew. Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome back to EarSense. I am your host, The Ear God, where we are collaborating ideas to create greatness, bringing music lovers and creators alike to one show. If you have been listening to the show since episode one, I wanted to say thank you for tuning in. It's been too long, but we're back. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. My name is Drew Leal. I also go by the producer name, The Ear God. I'm a recording engineer, a mixer, and a producer. I wanted to do this podcast for the purpose of having a place to share creative ideas and share cool things with really cool people. My distributor is Anchor, so if you're on the Anchor app, you'll have the experience of hearing each segment separately and be able to interact with me. If you are listening in on other streaming platforms, I will be spreading each segment with music. Now that we got all that out the way, let's get into the show. All right, so let me explain why the nine-month-long absence from episode three until now. A lot of life happened. I quit my regular job to pursue this creative life as a career. Um, I had a lot of projects come my direction at the beginning of the year, and I kind of said yes to all of them. But I needed time to buckle down and focus. So that was an excellent learning process for me to understand how much I can handle without getting burnt out. I started going to different events and shows after I quit my job to network and spread the brand. During this whole process, I felt like it was needed to document this whole entire journey. So I've been putting together pieces to bring all the pieces of content together. I got me a few photographers to capture photos and videos for those moments. I started a YouTube channel to tap into my visual creativity. Uh, I built up my website to house everything. I started a page for my beats to heighten my production game. And of course, to bring it all home with EarSense, my place where I can give you the tea around this crazy chaos. I'm excited for this episode. We have our first special guest, C-Money Wave. C is a rapper from Chicago who I met at Private Stock. We have an interesting story on how we met and joined forces. Check it out. And we're rolling. Episode four. I have a new co-host today. What's up? That is my intern, Peso. She is a artist, songwriter, soon to be engineer and a producer. And she is one of my confidants, one third of the Ear Guardians, and just an all-around awesome girl to be around. Give her a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. So how does it feel to be on your first podcast? You know, I was nervous, but like just being around you guys, it's a lot of fun. So it I'm is. excited. Yeah, it is. We try. Well, we try to have some fun, but I think at the very end, we're all accomplishing the same thing. It's just being creative, being around creative people, and then having a product of those things. So I do have my first special guest here today. He is a good friend of mine. He is an artist, and he just dropped his album, Surfer Drown, just this past month, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Sea Money Wave. Hey. Wave, wave, wave. Wave, wave, wave. Sir Wave Lord. Yes, what's up? <laughs> How's everything, man? Uh, everything is great, man. Um, just enjoying the feedback from the album and just, you know, continuously pushing it and uh, just making sure I can get it to as many ears as possible. That is, pr- that is pretty awesome, man. 
I remember when we first met when you kind of gave me the idea of what you wanted to do for the album. And I think it was really interesting to see that you wanted to take kind of an older approach of how albums used to, whether if it was using recordings of people who called in to kind of congratulate you on working on your project. Um, You brought your mother on one of the songs to do dialogue. That was really cool. That kind of reminded me back in the Life After Death days when you had, I think, Valletta did a voiceover on, I think, Sky's the Limit. I don't know if that was her. Um, if that was Actually, that might have been a voice actress, but to still have those same elements, I feel like mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah. I and, feel like classic, like, albums that do that, like, that lets you know how serious they are. Like, if you do something like bring in not only a family member, but, like, a parent, like your mom or your, your dad, that lets you know, like, this is something that's serious, like, on Life After Death, um, and then on the Black Album, December 4th, when Jay had Jay's his mom, mom yeah. yeah, like, explain his childhood and stuff like that, like, that that's deeper than surface level. Yeah. It's not, it's not you know, just what you see on top. Yeah. You get to kind of dig in a little bit, so. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, working on the album, so any anybody that doesn't know, um, I actually got to record, mix, master in partially executive produce the project i guess could yeah. i could i fairly no yeah in? that's that's <laughs> facts yeah and then even Paige did a couple of vocal pieces on there as well uh, i think it was on solid yeah came through clutch yeah that was last last fun that's clutch. like my favorite thing to do it's just hey like get in the studio and do it like i love that on spot stuff yeah do you think being in the studio you know for several months do you feel like Every time you come to the studio, you have to be prepared for that. Is that like become a natural thing for you, or are you just kind of like it? It I can do it whenever. I think I think at first I was like nervous every time I came to the studio because that was like an option. Like mm-hmm. you never know what could happen. I might have to do that. But as time went on, like I'm more um, comfortable, you know, because I'm I know the people now. So if it's like I'm more comfortable with the person, you know, I'm more comfortable being on their track and not being like, oh, I'm gonna mess up some stuff, you know. So. You know, and everybody's really cool, so and open to me trying new stuff. And, yeah, I like it. I feel like you definitely developed a mechanical, like working, like, like a work ethic to your creative side. Because I remember when I first met you, you had full of creative ideas, but I don't think you had the right tools to figure out how to move about them in the best way. Mm-hmm. But I think you observing all the different arts that come to the studio they all work differently i feel like you've slightly kind of pieced your own rendition from everybody else yeah yeah exactly i take a little piece of everybody and try to put it together so and i think one thing that i got from c money was how comfortable he is in the studio like just how he can just go on any beat and be completely like comfortable and you can see in his voice hear in his voice how how dominant his voice is and i really like surfer john because in all all songs that he had on that album it was just very he he knew what he was doing when he came in that studio and did it to the greatest of his ability and i don't know it's such a strong album so congrats to you i think another thing to I feel like as a gem, I don't think I don't see this as like a bad thing at all. I think some people may because they would probably have not done the same thing was this was actually your second time around to working on this project. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because we started it. <clears throat> we started it with um, our previous engineer, uh, Gary at Blue Heron Recordings, who 
recently passed away. Rest in peace to him as well. Um, but we started a lot of, we got, we were like halfway done. Like a lot of the songs were already done, like in the can. All we needed was stems to just start mixing them. Um, and then, you know, once he started to get sick, we kind of had to come with the, we had to kind of regroup because, you know, not to say that we thought something would happen, but just, you know, I cared more about his health and him getting better rather than forcing him to finish this project. So I would check in on him, you know, here and there to just make sure he was good. Not even about a session or anything that had to do with music, just checking in on him. So I think we met, um, me and Marshawn met Luis at actually one of Apache's events, which is really crazy how this circle works. But Apache was releasing the video um, and he had a party for it. Me and Marshawn went through. Uh, we met Luis. Apache introduced us. No, I think it was it was either Apache or Rich Jones. One of them introduced us to Luis. We, you know, exchanged contact info. And then I hit him up about a studio. And he was like, yeah, you know, we went through the motions. He was like, all right, I got you booked with one of our engineers, Drew. Boom. He gave me your info. We connected. And it was so weird because... <clears throat> like, since I haven't worked with a lot of different engineers, I didn't really know what to expect. So once he gave me your contact information, I'm like, all right, let me try to find him on, on social media. Like, Dang. let me see if he got an Instagram or like a Twitter or a Facebook or something. So I was like check? stalking this man for like three weeks until our session. And I found somebody that was Drew and it was an engineer. I never been to private stock. I don't know how any of these studios look. So I was following this guy for like weeks on Instagram. And he would always post stuff on his story, like driving home from the studio. It'd be like five in the morning. And I was like, up. damn, like I, I can't like none of the pictures on the page was of his face. So I'm like, I don't know what I can't put a name with a face yet. So I'm watching these stories, this, this and that. And then I finally see that the guy is black. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's who we're going to be working with. Then I get here and I meet you and I'm like, oh, I should probably unfollow that dude because I do not know who the fuck he is. <laughs> <laughs> At least he didn't DM him. him. That yeah. was so crazy. That was wild. It wasn't even. Wild. It wasn't even me. You see how events trickle out like that. Yeah, like, that was life. funny. <laughs> it got. It got. Su- it got super like superstitious because, number one, Lewis is always at different parties or different events because he's always networking. Shout out to Lewis, um, who's actually one of the management guys here at Private Stock, and that's actually the studio that we're recording in, which is a place where I work. Um, and then the fact that you were kind of introduced in some way, shape or form through Apache, which I actually met through you from it being a part of this project. And then me and him have become really cool friends as well. So it's just the little layers of things that one thing leading up to another kind of happens. And then also too, you bring Marshawn in um, to the studio and me and him form a really cool kinship. So it's things like that, that just have those those little layers. So what was your first, I guess, what was your first expectation when me and you meet? Like, I mean, I meet you at the door and you're just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, my first thing was, this is not the guy that I've been following on Instagram, but I'm very open too. So I'm just like, okay, well, 
shit, let's you know, let's get to work. Let's let's see what's up. What was what was different, I guess, coming into sessions of mine compared to somebody else's? Um, the way that we used to work, like with Gary, we would do songs. The way that his process worked was we would record, just do a rough, like very rough, like not even like mixing the stems or anything. Cause most of the, most of the stuff we would like, this is the first project where I had like all stem, like all actual track outs for the, for all the production. So we would just record over the wave or the MP3, not really touch it at all. Just save it, go to the next one. And we would just knock out like in four hours with him, we would, I would knock out like 10 songs sometimes. Like, cause it's just one, one taking it, like just going in one take, boom, it's done. So starting to work with you was different because. Drew's particular. Yes. And like, I would, I would notice him doing stuff and I'm like, what's he doing? Like. You know, I'm ready. Like, let's go. Let's fucking go. But it makes sense because he was working more efficiently. He was, like, mixing the, like, partially mixing the song as we recorded. Mm -hmm. And then with him being the, you know, the type of person that he is, he would be like, let me get another one of those. Do that again. Do that again. Do that, like, you know, let me get another one with more energy. Or let me get another one with this. That's one thing you always taught me is the, yeah. the, the what you lay down first is the most important thing. So if it doesn't sound good, it's going to be harder to mix. It's, you're, it's just not going to sound good. So you have to make sure what the first time you record, it better sound the best it can yeah. sound or we're going to keep doing it, you know. And we didn't really do that at my old studio. We would just, like, he wouldn't be, if, if I clearly messed up or I missed said something mm -hmm. or if you if he could tell he could be like yeah that doesn't really have a lot of energy let's try that again but it wouldn't be it was kind of surface level like it wouldn't be as deep as you started to take it mm -hmm. so doing that was I was like damn okay like he's really on his shit like this is fun mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you like, have a very professional yeah outlook of yourself and I think that's what's going to take you super far Drew is mm -hmm. Yeah. I try to take that out of it, actually. That's the that's, that's interesting you say that because for me, it's anything successful has a process to it. Yeah. It's a not even necessarily a process. It's a process that's built into a system and systems work. And one of the things that I realized is if you're going to be an engineer and do this for a career and you get in the studio with an artist, whether if you like their music you may be not a fan of it or it's even maybe not necessarily your style of music. You still have to be in the room with that person for a given amount of hours and you're getting paid to do so. To me, you're in the service business. So you're not necessarily in the retail business where you sell somebody that one thing and then you hope to never see them again. You heavily rely on repeat business and you never know. You may have to go through three bad people to get to like one really good person. And those are the friends of friends. To be honest with you, the worst artist will always pay you the most. And they will always promote you the most. And that was one of the things that I've always said as my mantra is, I don't care how many followers you have in the studio. I don't care how big of records that you have. If you are passionate and really vigorous about your process, and first and foremost, we can have fun doing it. I really don't care what your music sounds like. 
as long as I can be of assistance to help get it to a better place or take it to a different level that you would have done by yourself. And that's where I see like you and when I'm like, you know, interning in the chair next to you, I see different artists that come in. There's been artists mm-hmm. that had a 500,000 followers on Instagram, but you still aren't like how you are with C-Money. You're, you're more particular with C-Money than you are with that artist because yeah. he's C-Money's more passionate than the artist, the other artist is that has 500,000, mm-hmm. um, you know, followers because he comes in there wanting, grinding, wanting that stuff so bad. The other guy already has it. And so now he wants to slack off and, uh, you know, put in he doesn't even conversate with you he just comes in there because he knows he's a big shot and you know records Mm -hmm. his song and leaves but see money you actually have a connection with so people like that you know you're gonna you're gonna invest your time in them because they're investing their time in you you know people that don't do that what's the point of even trying to get them to work harder if they don't want to yeah it's a balance i think i think yeah it's definitely a balance but i think what helped that what helped create the chemistry as well is because like after like the first session I didn't really do like a lot of surfer drown stuff I don't think no, it was I was like just kind of yeah it was like a lot of one-offs that I was doing but as we like we kept coming back I told Marshawn I was like bro I think we're gonna have to re-record this project like redo the whole thing with Drew and when we came to him and told him that it was like and I think you talked to Marshawn about it before yeah, yeah. we even that, did it. That was actually the because you mentioned it about because I, I think it was general conversation. I said, "You have anything that you're working on?" You're like, "Yeah, I'm working on this project called Surfer Drown. That's going to be my my debut album." And you, I think you consider. Did you consider that a debut album? Or it's no? weird. It's like, like, it's, it's, like it's, a second it's album. technically my second, but this is like, yeah, it it just. The growth from my last project to this one is just... It, I look at it like Section 80 and Good Kid, Mad City. Although, obviously, I'm not, like, on a major label. But, like, Section 80 was, like... Some people consider it an album, but some people call it a mixtape. But that's when he really came... Like, it wasn't overly dedicated, Kendrick. Yeah. But it was, like, right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then the next jump was such a high jump. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of what this was for me. I love how artists love to re-establish the brand of like what an album is. It's like, yeah. oh, say this was my Section 80 album, and then this was my Level Up album. This was like the one that's like, <laughs> yo, this was the end-all, be-all type of thing that I first could commit one, my life to. The first one was like my very first like actual project being solo. Yeah. So I didn't really have a direction with it. I was just like, I know where I want to get to, but... Like it wasn't as it wasn't as cohesive as Surfer Drown is. It was it was it, I still love it. Like I can still listen to it, but it wasn't as cohesive. Like the production was cool. Like I don't know, it was cool. I had to I had to play it for y'all one day so y'all could check it out. Because it's out, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I've actually went back and like listened to it a few times. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you like the songs off the top of my head, but I definitely noticed. A maturity and just the way you put records together i think you seemed a lot more committing to your concept in surfer drum rather than it seeming like a collection of songs yeah um because that's what the first one more like yeah. more so was it's just like a collection of songs pretty much yeah it's interesting now that i've you know executive produced i would say more than four albums now in my career 
you start to hear when there's more people on a record than just the typical who recorded it and mixed it and the artists themselves or the features. You start to hear what hands got put in or how many chefs, you know, added little pieces, you know, bits and pieces to it. Um, so you did say you were in a group before your solo project. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, I was in a group. We were called Super Fresh Bros. I actually have on our socks right now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, we did that from, like, 09, 2010. It kind of just started off as us just, like, messing around, having fun. And then people just kind of kept telling us, like, yo, like, y'all should really do it. Like, y'all are dope. So we just started, you know, working more and more. And then that slowed up around... I want to say like 2015, 2016. Um, no, actually like 2014, 2015. Okay. And then my first project came out 2016. Okay. So, um, but yeah, it was fun. Like we had, we really had like a certain pocket because of what we were rapping about. Like it was like, it was like the cool kids, but not, really it was like the more nerdy version of it like we used samples from video games in our songs yeah we talked about like so many different like video game references and just everything like our first album was called level one the next project was mm -hmm. called bonus stage mm -hmm. and the la the one that we were working on before we decided to stop was going to be called genesis mm -hmm. so we were working on some shit. it was that was definitely an I important like the thought time. process behind that. Yeah, yeah we, we really thought about that shit. Like, that was an important time in my, I feel like, in my career and in my life because I got to learn so much from it. So now, so when I did go solo, a lot of the, <clears throat> like, areas of opportunity that we saw, mm -hmm. I was able to kind of go around those. Yeah. But the bad part about it, or not bad part, but the one challenge with it was having to rebrand myself now because so many people, and some people, if I haven't seen them in a while, they still, like I saw Hustle Simmons at a, um, at a Wiz Khalifa concert. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh shit, bro, what's up with you and Super Fresh Bros, right? And I'm like, yeah, nah, like, I'm, it's just, it's And Hustle Simmons is deep in Chicago. Like, yeah, because he, he put us on one of his shows as Super Fresh Bros. So that's what he remembered me as. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just what, like, and even other people that I've hooked up with, like, linked up with in the studio or just saw at events was just like, you and you and your boy still? Like, so I got, I'm still kind of breaking out of that. And now I feel like Surfer Drown is the perfect starting point for people. Even if you didn't hear the last project, you can literally start here and just yeah come along with the journey yeah. with you but why did you even break apart from that like what what brought you to that decision um it just kind of came down to creative differences and just like work ethic pretty much like and just life like yeah. sometimes you go through life and we're two completely well not completely different but we both live completely different lives so if i'm going through some shit in my life that kind of pulls me away from music you know, and he's not, then that can create friction and vice versa. If he's going through something in his life, pulling him away from music and I'm not, then it's like, you know, that that can just cause a chemistry thing. But mm -hmm. 
after we after we stopped, like so many people was just like, "Damn, so y'all y'all not cool no more." Like like we were we were super close before we even started this. So even afterwards, we're not like there's no bad blood, there's no love lost behind it. You like, should bring it back for like one song. Super I, fresh bros. <laughs> Just name it that. I, we did. We had this dope ass song called "Fuck Out of Here," and it was like an anthem and everything. And at my release show for the first album, we redid that. And people always told us like, "That's y'all biggest song. Like y'all should have did this, this, and that." So um, yeah, we did that song at my first release show, and it was so wild and like it was like so like I'm not even lying. It was so turned up that I forgot my verse, like on stage. <laughs> like he did his verse, we went through the hook, everything, and when it came down to my verse, I was just like, "Now nah, look." Oh shit! <laughs> and I just thought, I was like, "Shit, what's the lyrics?" And everybody else was just like, "Hey," and They're I was just like, "Fuck you. it." <laughs> yeah, I was just like, "Fuck it," but that was really live. Yeah. That's why I want to get to the point where people lit to my music or, you know, yeah. at least waving their hands a little bit. Yeah. But I, that's could, I could definitely see people like bringing incense and candles. Yeah, and, like, like literally, I just want to have experience. a hippie squad. Like yeah. people tie-dye, like, you, you can, know, smoke your you weed. You can call it that. Hippie squad? Hippie squad, The hippie yeah. squad, yeah, hippie yes. Squad, yeah. I love that. I get one of those, like, live in a van and shit. Like, those, what are those 70 vans from the... And your emergency... See, we're we talk, we yeah. talking too much right now. We got to keep this off air because... Yeah, those are some good ideas. <laughs> and we don't want nobody to steal your Here, shit. I'm not going to... So, everybody will know it came from this podcast first, but imagine having, like, a gang of, like, female hippies driving vans, and they have all have studios in their in their van. Yeah, I'm going to create So that. you go to somewhere like Coachella, right, and you I was have a say, whole pull van, up and say, like, yo, I'll DJ on my yeah. van. Like. Yeah. <laughs> 20 bucks an hour, bro. Let's cook up. <laughs> right here and now. You see all these females just hustling, all these different producers. It's like, yo, you need a show mix? Come through. Get like, to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll have all your shit That's ready to go. low-key, hey. Yeah, low-key. I just need, I need to save, like, what, 15000 Oh, yeah, you'll need, like... You may need even more than that. Like, if you yeah. want to do it, if you're going to do like a studio in a van, like, you're going to want to make it nice. It can't be one of yeah, those, like, yeah. one of things too. that you can just get it to work. Yeah. That's just not going to run off the car battery. So oh, hell no. No, yeah, you, you, need, need yeah, you need solar. You need yeah. <laughs> car batteries, some deep cycles. Yeah, you're going to need all of that. It's funny because how you just brought that, it's not even really a gimmick. It's more of like a lifestyle form of making music. It was funny because I was actually just going to ask you, I wonder if you were to ask, you know, cult fans who read comic books, who go to Comic-Con every year, who are super into like the Marvel Universe or like DC Universe on the TV shows and things like that. If there was genres of music that were like dedicated to their culture. Would that be a similar impact compared to like what rap is or what country music is? Hell yeah, mm -hmm. it, 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 there already is. Like there is, yeah. Not even like just the Marvel aspect of things. Like there's so many people. Like just off the top of my head, Mega Ran is one of them. Mm -hmm. Like he's a huge video game guy. Mm -hmm. He's a part of that culture. <clears throat> um, even in Chicago, uh, Slump Gang, um, yeah. Sage, Sixty Fourth Wonder, like. Vagabond Maurice, like they their whole collective is like super deep into the anime portion mm -hmm. of things, but it's not all based around it, but they they fuck with that. So yeah. their fan base fucks with it. 
and it's like very cult like. Mm-hmm. And what we were doing as uh, Super Fresh Bros were like, we were bringing out because I'm not personally like a huge anime fan like that. Nate mm-hmm. was, which is was my partner in it. But what we would do is we would go to shows. And we would bring that nerd out of like the hardest looking people in the room, pause. But like the people that would be at the shows, like looking, you know, with their thick coats and fancy designer shit and everything. When we come out, they like, what the fuck is this? Like, who the fuck's super yeah. fresh, bros? Like, what the fuck is yeah. that? And then when we done, they like, yo, y'all niggas is. Dope, like <laughs> the Super Mario shit you said, and the beat from the Super Smash Bros. game, and this, this, and that. Like yeah. Nate came out with you watch. Have y'all watched Dragon Ball Z before? Mm-hmm. You know the little scouter, yeah. like that they put up to read people's power levels. Yeah. Nate came out with one of those, and oh, after the damn. show, niggas was like all over this man, just like yo. You came out with the scouter, like you cold as hell, bro. Like power levels over nine thousand, this, this, and that. That's the shit that Vegeta wears, right? Um, I think he wore it before, yeah. But there's other people it's like that green. wear. It's like green, right? It makes him look like. Well, like some green. are green, some are red. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know but, what you're talking about, so I, yeah. I get the comment. So he had one of those, and it, it was just crazy. But there's definitely a pocket for it. It's just not like there's a whole community on. YouTube and SoundCloud, like we would just search through people like people's beats that they use anime samples and video game samples. Risey K is another producer. He does like so many different like video game flips for beats and shit like that. So there's a pocket for it. It's just not it's hard one because it's sampled shit. So you can only go so far with it. And it's hard because it's not the most popular. So it's kind of stuck. It's very niche-based. Yeah, very Mm niche-based, yeah. But I guess a quick question, if you want to go more on, like, the business side, segued. Would you rather be very successful in a niche base or be kind of more underground or more independent on a very smaller level, I guess, universally? Um. I don't, that's a, that's a really good yeah that's, that's a really a, good see, that's question a conundrum, because, right? yeah because when we were doing Super Fresh Bros it felt really good to like see people appreciating that mm-hmm. but it was also harder to to get through more doors because of it because of it yeah so like when people are going to book like if you don't know what the fuck we're talking about obviously you're not going to rock with it like at all like yeah. you're gonna be like what is like what is like shinobi what the fuck are you talking about senpai like hitachi like what the fuck yeah nah get that shit out of here (laughs) (laughs) that's what holds me back from like talking about my spirituality and my music as well because that's only so many people are only gonna understand the law of attraction if i want to talk about that shit you know and not everybody's gonna relate to that and i work in a studio with a lot of rappers i work in a studio with a lot of hip-hop artists people Mm -hmm. who that's their lane and when i come in with this ah like vocals like Mm -hmm. trying to be very like goddessy you know people are like well, hold on, like, what is she doing, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I understand that, but, like, that's why I try to make, if it's good, if you make, like, a lot of different types of music. So, mm-hmm. okay, I'm I'm touching this audience, this audience, this audience, this audience. Yeah. And, you know, they all click on my Instagram page, and, okay, this girl can be, like, you know, she has different personalities to mm-hmm. herself. So, 
know. Do you know one of the things I noticed being still a creator but not being in the forefront is you get to see things from a totally different perspective. So, for instance, if you take 10 NBA players on a court playing a game, I feel like I'm more of the coach or even like an assistant coach that sees it on the floor, goes to all the practices, shows up to all the games, is one part of the process that makes up the game, but you don't live the actual lifestyle of the pressure, right. the the demand of having to perform. You every don't have to night. physically take the shot. I don't, yeah, I don't have to. Yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah. have to physically take the shot. So the pressure is not always on me. Right. So one of the things that I notice, and I want to guess, kind of get your perspective on this. And you're you're pretty competitive. I've definitely seen that in you when you're at the studio. So I kind of want to see what your perspective, Paige. You can even chime in as well. Everybody wants to have the Michael Jordan spot but there's so many other places that you can fall into. And I still feel like you can be just as legendary or if not be just as um, impactful to music culture. Or like I've ever, I've always heard every rapper, they want to be the Jordan or they want to be the LeBron James or Kobe Bryant. Those are like the main three people that they want to be. Right. I've never heard somebody say, I want to be the BJ Armstrong, a rap. Well, I want to be like the Larry Bird, John Stockton, Jeff Hornacek, like Scotty Pippins. I want, I want to be the Steve Kerr where every now and then I'll be able to land a fucking fire-ass three that's going to win me a championship. That may be only once, but nobody feels like they want to fulfill those roles to where you're your best self. Yeah, of course, you may not be number one, but you're doing what you love at a high level because think about it. You're in the league, you're in the league. If you're on a major label, you're on a major label. What you do with that is up to you. But if you're constantly feeling like you're trying to fight for the top spot, it's almost like you're forcing your way to be noticed rather than your work ethic, your work, the music that you put into, right. the shit you do on your own just speaks for itself. How would you feel about that? Um, I mean, I feel like, especially with rap, because it is very competitive, I feel like you're, you you do want to be number one, mm -hmm. but if something were to take place to where you were number two or number three, like I feel like ultimately it comes down to your impact. But yeah, I would never hear somebody saying like, yo, I'm trying to be the Draymond Green of rap because like you want to go for the top spot. Like mm -hmm. you want to be, you want to be the top dog. Yeah. You want to be the one that people respect for whatever reason whether it's influence impact or lyricism or whatever yeah. but i feel like also the more you stay in this field you kind of find where your place is mm -hmm. and if you're comfortable there then you don't have to be michael jordan you could just be mm -hmm. magic johnson or Kawhi leonard like you could just be comfortable where you are like artists like lupe like, as long as he, like, other artists, people in his field respect him as one of the greatest MCs and lyricists ever. Mm -hmm. So he could give a fuck what Twitter has to say. He yeah. doesn't have to have that level of success because people that work with him respect him to the level of greatness. Yeah. So it's like... I feel like he, he was doing that more when he wasn't thinking about that. Yeah, right. And like, so it's like when more he, accept, started, he accepted his role of what he was good at, 
he became way more respectful than trying to be like, I deserve to be here. It's like nobody right, exactly. owes nobody owes you a damn thing. Right. Like, you know, I feel like you know who what artist I feel like has put themselves in a position like this, Wale. I literally was a fan since he was on the freshman cover, the very first freshman cover with like Asher Roth, Ace Hood, yeah. Kid Cudi, like all literally the probably the best freshman cover to me. Um he started to kind of getting a little demanding of like I should have a number one album. I should I am I am yeah. the best artist in the world. Yeah. It's like And that's a it's a competitive edge, but at the same time it's like you gotta accept the rule that you're playing first. Be right. patient. Like, and that's the difference between Lupe and Wale because they both get the same level of respect. Yeah. But Lupe kind of stopped caring about what others said. Yeah. And just took the respect that he has and was like, well, I'm good. Like mm-hmm. Jay Z has told me that I'm one of the only people that can go bar for bar with him. Like, I don't That's care yeah. about what Twitter is saying or these lists and shit mm-hmm. like that. The difference with Wale is he's a little more emotional with it. So when people like call him out on Twitter or his albums or whatever doesn't get the respect he feels it deserves, then he gets a little restless. But Wale is one of the coldest MCs and lyricists too. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's like a polar opposite, but... With rap, the way I approach it now is like, I just, I just really, from the last album to this one, I feel like I put myself into a place where people who know me know that I can rap, mm-hmm. that my lyricism is top level. Like, I don't have to continuously prove that anymore. So I feel like with Surfer Drown, it was more about crafting songs and putting together an actual project rather than just making sure every 16 bars is the most lyrical shit that I could put together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What would you say was the hardest song for you to create on the album? Um, Probably Drowning. Drowning was probably the hardest to write. Like, that took me a long time to write. Just not because I didn't know what to say. It's just, it was literally hard, just like emotionally to just sit down and write it. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the hardest to do. I don't even listen to that song much anymore, mm-hmm. even through the album. And people be like, man, drown. Like, when I ask people what their favorites are, a lot of people say drowning. And I'm like, damn, that's dope. But, like, I can't fuck with that song because it puts mm-hmm. me, it, it takes me back to that time on those three verses. And it's like, damn, like, that's fucked up. So that's one of the songs that gets me. But that was the hardest one to do. And... I took the super traditional approach, three verses, hook between each verse, like the way old, like the that's way. A, that's a vintage way of doing Right, it. like three verses. Like nowadays, the song got to be two and a half minutes or less, or we ain't fucking with it type of thing. Mm-hmm. That song was probably like six minutes. It would definitely like, was like intro, minutes, yeah. verse, intro, hook, verse, hook, verse, hook, another hook, bridge, like. Yeah. It was, but that was the hardest one to write because, yeah, of how deep that was. Did you know that it was that long? Because I remember, I remember mentioning it to you. I was like, "Hey, you know this song's like almost damn near six minutes, right?" I don't know if it was Marshawn or you that had said it. They're like, "It's not that long." You're like, "I just have three verses and it was." Yeah, I probably said like it's like I just got three verses and three hooks. You know, it ain't no deal. I'm like, "Well, you're kind of running on halftime, so." <laughs> the length of time is much much higher right so i remember when you looked at the, the time code and you're like 
oh yeah this is like a six minute song you're like it's whatever just it's, it's a good song like yeah you know don't even take nothing away from it you know um what was your most funnest song that you recorded um I feel like we had a lot of good sessions. Yeah. I don't think that's equate to Um Solid was really fun. Um I feel like you flew through that one. Ready or not was really fun. Gone was really fun. Um Yeah, those three. Ready or not, solid and gone were probably the most fun because of the features behind it. Like solid took Obviously, you know, multiple sessions, like Paige, you coming in on the last session for Solid. Which was mixing, it wasn't even which recording. Was, right, it session. wasn't even recording, yeah. Um, and then Ready or Not was cool because I, li- I like when I bring artists onto songs and they actually come to the studio and we work on it together because it allows me to see their workflow and like how they, how their creative process works. Mm-hmm. So like when we did Solid and Karan, like, showed up with his daughter like i yeah. thought that was solid enough and then that. he went and did the verse, verse and talked cold. about fatherhood yeah. and i was like damn that's dope as fuck yeah. like that's really dope um it was like line for line just touched a specific point yeah like yeah. And, and i love that and with gone with apache coming in i've never seen him work in the studio so mm-hmm. this was the first time like actually seeing him work and you know his workflow and his creative process i was like that's dope as fuck like this is fun yeah hearing other voices on the song rather than myself because mm-hmm. i don't even think i had any features on my last project no. so yeah. here and i usually don't do a lot of features i just came from being a duo so i don't do a lot of features like that until now until this project so yeah just hearing those other voices and it wasn't all rap like Karan was rap but Apache wasn't he did his thing he brought his own sauce to it um Jocelyn already or not coming in like she came in twice I think she did two sessions she came in twice with us because she sent us vocals when we recorded with Gary um but then Marshawn wanted her to come back and just like change it up and just do it live yeah and that shit came out perfect to just hear it all being put together like oh shit this is like dope as fuck yeah i like that i like that you take a step back too when it comes to them being in the studio because i know some people that are like very particular like damn near control this person where to move where to go Mm -hmm. what what to sing what to rap you know no let's do it this way let's do it this way like i feel like every every time you just kind of just sat back listened you maybe threw some input in there marshawn maybe would just like give me a head nod if you didn't like it you just be like because i mean like if i have if i have something written yeah then i will give it to you and be like this is kind of what i got but do it your like put your Mm -hmm. sauce on it like i don't want to tell you how to sing it or how to you know do it this is the idea that i have take it and run like gone i didn't even have a hook i just gave apache the beat i was like this is the beat bring some ideas and he made like fucking voice memos on his phone that he sent to me and i was like oh shit that's dope let's do it mm-hmm. so that's his hook he came in with all of that and i just take a step back and let you do you like i don't like to be one of those people that are controlling in the studio like make sure you say it this way mm-hmm. hit the note this way 
do it that way. Turn your face this way into the mic when you're doing it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to be that type of person. I like features where it sounds like a collaboration, mm -hmm. yeah. not me, not you just singing or doing some shit that I could have done, mm -hmm. you know, myself, basically. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting way that I've, I've seen both sides and when it's when it's organic and both parties enjoy what they do and what they're doing it comes out much better like i've seen people where like i remember the first times i started recording i was working with this dude for like several months he actually was living with me and he brought this girl over and he was very particular to how he recorded he literally put a blanket over her head and over the mic and had her sing because I had her in my closet of my apartment and he literally was like no I need more like isolation than that it's like okay so he literally put this big ass blanket that I had over her head over the mic poor girl she like had her hair done and everything like that so it was like all frizzy when she got out then it got to a point he like went under the blanket to like see how she was singing and then it got to a point where like he like took the headphones from her and like made her sing and was like gonna try to time her and i was like i just stopped it and i was like bro come here for a second so he takes the headphones off and i'm like give her back the headphones you stay in here i'll give you my headphones take the blanket off and just let her do her thing <laughs> like you are literally not making this situation any better nor is it benefiting anybody because the pressure control it. man like the pressure yeah it sucks that just makes like if somebody has to tell me do this do this do this i'm like oh shit like i, I can't do it because that's so much pressure but like the the you, you like the other day when we had that 10 hour day you said okay you go in the studio here's my idea whatever i like i took the words as an idea but then like um, when I got in the stew, like I just did my own thing, you know, because mm -hmm. that's what I was feeling at the moment, and you were totally cool with that. I, yeah. I, that it just yeah. makes it like a fun time, you know. Well, it's like when you invite somebody to the studio, and you want them to be on a song, or you want you want to work with them because they have a specific skill set that you can't do yourself, or you just like the way that they sound on records. You let it do. You let them. You know, let them do it their way. You know, yeah, you're gonna have some creative differences where, like, hey. I do like this, but let's try it a little bit of a different way or personality or let's try it with a different tone. Like those are just mechanical things when you just sit, let them know that and just say, hey, I kind of had this particular vibe when, you know, when I was listening to it. I like the way that you did it, but let's, can we try it this way? And they're either going to say yes or they're going to say, I kind of like, you know, but if somebody is being a feature, they're going to probably look at it and say, okay, well, it's his song, you know, I'm contributing, but I'm glad that he's letting me have my own creativity enough to, you know, do my thing. Right. Or when you're completely controlling of that person, you're not making them comfortable. And even too, who's to say that the ideas you have even work. I've had those, right. I've had yeah. those things happen too, where you just see it so forced and you know, you're like, this is not going to work. And but some, you, some people be acting like they like, a&Rs or something like they fucking Quincy Jones and it's like no give me the headphones you gotta do it this like I don't know if they think like it's gonna be a cool story later down the line or just like I don't know how you could be that like ego driven and controlling to just come in the studio and just be like no give me the headphones you're not doing it right like 
bro, there's other ways to communicate mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want it done a certain way. Yeah. Or like, I, I mean, I, I could understand more if you're paying like somebody like to do something, but even in that aspect, you don't still not that controlling. Yeah. Even in any feature that I do, I would rather that person bring their own sauce to the mm-hmm. song. Got to got to keep it saucy. So I guess on my end recording everything was honestly it felt like a breeze cuz each time that you came to the studio, you brought track outs. You allowed me to let me partially mix the song before we even got started recording I felt like you were very patient I felt like I really slowed down a lot of the sessions where we could have gotten a lot more done in a day but I think I tested that was because I wanted to help develop a relationship with you and Marshawn while we were creating these records and kind of understand the communication a lot more because if you think about it we did less than 10 sessions um, and also too we only did things no more than five hours at a time so it's like each time we met and two this is the first project we ever worked on together so i felt like there was a lot of things we didn't get a chance to cover as much ground on so we had to do it with every session that Mm -hmm. number one work was getting done two we were moving the project forward and then number three developing an ongoing communication of how records were going to get done so i think with those slow moments I think where we had those conversations I feel like we had a lot of breakthroughs and songs got done quicker because of that yeah I feel like just understanding like the storyline understanding the sonics that you were going for a lot of the every I think every single beat that you gave to me was very very well produced and had a great arrangement so I was like I don't have to worry about that I can just leave it alone just make it sound a little bit better a little more polished and then focus on you a little bit more because usually when I get a great recorded song and a bad beat or like just a you know bad produced beat, I'm more focused on just trying to fix the music to fit the artist rather than everything just coinciding together. You know, um, I would say Salad was probably one of my favorite sessions because of Karan coming in and he had his daughter with him. She like literally was like hanging out on his phone talking she kind of like interacted with everybody and then eventually she just like took a nap that was actually when he did his verse Mm -hmm. so the timing i remember worked out perfectly and he nailed that thing in a couple of times but i remember every take he did just had the emotion to it i was like timing wise okay we got a couple things to fix and damn that just it really came out as a beautiful record i i listened to that at least once a day yeah for sure and then i think another one was um Ready or Not was definitely a good one that I remember. And I would say Gone was like the most memorable for me just because the first time I ever meeting Patchy was like, I just remember he had, I literally so remember, <laughs> had this big ass trench coat on. Definitely. Had, a, had, a, uh, had like this big ass sweater, yes. had a scarf. It was still in the middle of the winter. So he was like completely dressed like he was going to the Met Gala. <laughs> big shiny bald head perfectly cut goatee when we came in smoked a little bit and then i think i remember we had drinks he literally walked in the booth and was like yo i love the vibe of this booth like you just couldn't <laughs> stop talking about it as soon as i hit record i think we did 10 takes of like just different hooks and i was like 
this is perfect. Like he was like, how does everything sound? I'm like, we're just going to, he's thinking like at first, oh shit, like I'm not getting this down right. Cause I'm not keeping anything. I was like, no, I'm like, I literally have kept everything. I'm just going to actually comp a vocal of my own based on all the cool shit that you did. And that actually turned over into when I started working with him personally. Like that was the first song we did. We would just do a bunch of takes, bunch of takes, bunch of takes. We'd go through each one and then we would comp a vocal and then piece it all together. And it was cool just because it was fast. You know, that's one of the things too a lot of artists like to do is as soon as they come in at any given moment, they want to be ready to record. And it's like, okay, you have to fit that mold. But I feel like when I'm working on an album, yeah, I'm working as an engineer, but if I'm like also helping produce it, I'm like, no, let's let's slow down a little bit. Let's see what takes we have. And to me, especially when it comes to recording, if it doesn't feel good, it's not right. Because I think a lot of times when people record, they just figure out what's wrong with it. If I don't hear anything wrong, that means it's right. Right. Where I've kind of gone yeah. the direction is if it doesn't feel good, if it doesn't feel like it was the right take, even if I'm like 99% sure it was the right one, that 1% I know is like, no, we can, you can do it better. It's, you know, it's a little bit more time consuming, but I feel like those little extra details really make the project that much better. They do. And you can tell, like listening to it, like I can tell from, because a lot of this was already recorded, I can tell from the earlier recordings to the rough recordings that we did to the final masterings and it's just like we could I could tell each step where everything was tightened up mm-hmm. like and I think that's what made the process a little quicker too is because I already had all of it, a lot of it recorded so a lot of those songs were no phone or notebook needed because I've already recorded it yeah so it was just about doing different takes and getting different feelings behind it so that definitely helped too I do remember I I can't remember what verse it was of what song but I do remember you did it in one take you literally Um, went into it was probably like play for keeps I think it was play for keeps it was probably because some of the stuff that we had already done was the surfer drown intro um, I had the first verse already and not already done. We had already recorded Wave, Wave, Wave. Born Legend was already done. Play for Keeps was already done. Um, yeah, so those those songs were already done. So I, it was probably Play for Keeps because I do remember doing that like in one take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I remember. So fast forward to the release party. I think that was really special for me because I've only been to a couple release parties of projects that I worked on just because all y'all keep me in the studio so I can never get out to go to to enjoy anything that I worked on. Uh, But that was really cool in particular because I got to meet the people that make up, you know, your current life. Uh, So I got to meet your wife. I got to meet. um, She's beautiful. Yeah, she's a really cool. She's a really cool soul. I got to meet you know, everybody that was a part of your camp. And then too, even meeting your mom at the studio, I thought was a really cool yeah. thing. So, and she kind of got to see, okay, this is what my son's like working on. I think on. she was really excited about that. Like she, she really, 
like her 50th birthday is coming up and mm-hmm. she was like I want you to perform Born, Born Legend I'm like oh my god but yeah that was like her her moment like yeah she was really enjoyed that you could kind of rug it on Born Legend so it's interesting that she would love for you to perform that in front of <laughs> people that are her age or like right? all family members and yeah. things like that that's how you know your your mom's loves what you do. Yeah. Because when she don't care, she's like, no, I want you to perform that. Right. What, but uh, that, with the release party, that's that's kind of what I really liked about it is that I was able to bring, like, everybody to one place to, to meet each other. So when you hear the album, you're able to put a um, face with a name. Yeah. So, like, meeting my wife or, like, meeting... You know, well, Karan wasn't there, but just meeting other people that make up those portions of my life in and outside of the studio. So kind of bringing all that together mm-hmm. is what I really enjoy. You got to meet different people. So Yeah, and I think that was one of the first times me, me and you, Paige, have, like, been together as a team. Outside of the outside studio. Outside of the studio, yeah. Because it was interesting because when she comes to the studio, it's either she just is really, like, fun and, like, she's ready to go out, but also she has, like, her comfortable side where she'll, like, throw her hair up, no makeup on, just comfy clothes and, like... That's the I'm majority. Just, yeah, that's just, like, <laughs> I'm ready to just be at the studio, work. I don't really care about what I look like, which is it's just awesome. I like her to feel that comfortable when she comes to the studio. But it was cool when... Somebody's hungry. Yeah, you hungry, you starving. Um, it's cool when we came to the to the studio or when we came to the party like you were ready to like party and I think that was really fun to add, like to add that energy and then too I, I got a lot of good feedback from not only all the songs that we worked on but especially the stuff that you added as well I've been getting a lot of feedback from like people on the team and like other artists that I work with and like yo she's really cool like just doing really quick shit that adds those little touches that every artist wants on their project but they don't know who to go to for that. I like being that person like I haven't dropped my own music in so long but like you know I'm kind of cool with coming to the studio and if somebody wants me to just do something like I find fun in that like and not stressing out so much about creating my own content but like if I can help you out somehow like let me do that you know and that's a good but that's a good pocket to be in because think about like for example somebody like t-pain for his run it was just hooks and then i just recently found out he did an interview he didn't charge people nothing he he did not charge people to do those hooks during that time it's like that's crazy and you might be like well that's why he was on all that shit because it was free but also not only was it free to the artists and it was exposure for him, but he killed it. So it's like when he got ready to release his own shit, it's like, yo, T-Pain, I'm ready for this shit. Like, he cold as hell. So I feel like you could take advantage of that too, Paige, because, like, what you do on those songs, even if it's, like, a small bridge or just, like, vocals like that, people are instantly going to be like, who the fuck is, like, that's smooth as fuck. Like, who the fuck is that? And then when they find out, they're like, oh, she got music out too? Yeah. I'm fucking with it. That's, and it's helping me. It's helping me develop my, my the artist that I want to be because when I get in the studio, I never know what I'm going to do. It might be zero or 100. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
I don't know, it's helping me take it back home. And when I'm in the studio at home, like, okay, what did I do when I was there that I that I can apply at home? If I can do it so fast there, why can't I do it so fast at home? So, you know, it, it's a learning. It's a, you know, it's progression. But it's, I, I, love that you, I love that now it's kind of a flip-flop because before, so the first time I recorded with her was actually in this room, which we're in Studio A at Private Stock Studios. You actually came with a couple of friends that I had been working with for a little bit. She gave me her money and was like, you know, I wanted to pay for an hour. So that way I had this song that I wanted to record. So I had her go in there. She put the headphones on, got her levels up real quick. And she flew through the song like quick compared to what the guys were doing. And she was like out rapping them. Just know I practiced every like second yeah, so of that game. So, she came, so she came prepared where like a lot of them will just make up shit as they go and they're not really in it they're kind of more in the aspect of like we're in the studio we're drinking we're smoking we're you know popping a pill or something like that it's it's you know i mean one of the things that i've kind of started to just appreciate is everybody has their own workflow so when she recorded those songs i remember like yo i'd love to work with you lena let's keep in contact i remember getting her instagram we would occasionally like each other's pictures, but I don't think we ever really talked outside of the studio. That was like the one time, it was like a one-time thing. Yeah, I never came back to the studio again until I started interning. <laughs> yeah, so I remember you were in the studio, or I forgot what you were doing, because something told me to like make a beat for you. That was when I did Pallet Jack Money. Yeah, I still have it. I want to do something yeah. to it. So I had the day off, and I was like, you know, I'm going to make beats all day today. So I think I made like six beats that day. I was randomly going through like Instagram stories, and her Instagram popped up. So I was like here's a good conversation starter. Hey, I kind of want to make a beat for you. Would you be interested? Yeah. Like, yeah, of course. Okay. I think I'll have something for you in a couple hours. I could tell she was like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, all right. I like mixed it down real quick. I sent it to her and I was like, Hey, I sent you the beat. I think I even gave you the cover art with it. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of threw me off. Like that's why I didn't really finish it back then because I wasn't ready to like give you what you wanted from the beat like what it was supposed to be you know yeah i had like an idea for it yeah and i think i think i think now if i went back and like tried to do something to it i'd be able to do it because mm -hmm. you know i've just i'm more expanded like, my knowledge of music is bigger than it was yeah a year ago you know yeah it goes funny because when i made the beat i tend to make like the name of my beats like really just off the wall so that way i kind of remember them easier i had to look up what a pallet jack was i was like what the fuck? <laughs> so i uh so i was like wait i was like what can i call this and something about it just money kept like coming up and i don't like to use money as like a thing for like my beats but that was like i don't know it just seemed to fit so i was like what is something obnoxious with money that people would like okay I, that's kind of cool money pa pallet i was like well how do you move how do you move a pallet you move, use a pallet jack call it pallet jack money so i i think the cover was was all white lettering it said pallet jack money in like really big bold letters but the backdrop was a bunch of different currency like just laid out on the floor so it was like all colorful so i changed like the coloring of it and you told I, me to watch the show too what was the show called i actually watched it oh what was what was the show i don't know there was this girl she was like a she was like from the drug cartel or something and you wanted me to oh, tap into her character oh it was queen of the south yeah uh. so i was like yo watch this i was like watch a couple episodes of this show which was queen of the south i was like i want this like mafia boss girl that like just come from like a regular like 
a regular life that just wanted more, that had a hunger for it. And that's kind of like the the direction I wanted to, at least to see where she could go with that. And then I think even too, I was always, I was actually going to try to mention weeds, which is the very similar storyline. It was just some middle, some middle-class mom who had it all. The dad died. You know, she wasn't making any money. The quickest thing that she thought of was sell little dime bags of weed. And then she became a, a legit boss yeah yeah, legit boss so it was kind of one of those things and i like to kind of play with storylines or play with um i try to picture the vibes when i make a beat where would i place this on like a tv show or movie like what scene do i see in my head when this is being played so like i try to yeah so i try to make when i so when i pitch the idea i usually try to pitch like the idea first and if if Usually if it hits, you know, cool. They'll either run with that or they'll just do their own thing, but they kind of know, like, what I had in mind. Um, I don't think there's ever been, like, a beat that I've made that was, like, I don't, I don't know where to go. Just let me send it to somebody and see what they can do with it. Usually it's pretty – I try to be pretty intentional, you know. So that was the first time, like, I had ever tried to work with her outside the studio. She said she wrote to it. She's like, I, you know, I'm going to come back to the studio. We'll record it, you know, I think – almost a whole damn year like no it was like a quite a few months went by nothing happened and then i remember i was watching tv it was like at night and then i remember getting a ig message from her and that was when she decided she wanted to ask me the question of being my intern and then i was actually gonna say no (laughs) that was the even interesting part i was like i just because milo actually just got hired in as my intern so I was like, I already have one. I was like, I don't know if I can handle two, like, and do sessions and then try to teach another person, like, how to, like, do what I do. I was like, it's going to be really tough. Right. But I was like, why am I really saying no? Because I was, like, literally going to say no. And then I was like, but what am I, why am I really saying no? Is it because I don't have the time or is it because I don't want to? So I started breaking it down. I kind of think of it and... I'm not going to lie. If, if you were another guy, I probably would have said no. But I think because of you being a girl, I was like, this may or like, this may actually really help me in the end. Like, I know I'm going to help her, but this may actually help me in the end because she may have certain traits or qualities that I don't have that I can learn from. Right. I, I don't want to cut y'all off, but breaking news. Oh, Milo Da Vinci is awake. He's awake. He's awake. <laughs> he is awake. Is he coming? Man. He said, I just woke up. Fuck. Damn, dog. You woke <laughs> up like two and a half hours too late. Uh, we putting you on, on uh, blast, Milo. For falling asleep on us. Yeah. Now, going back to the album, do you feel like you set a good standard for yourself to grow for the next one or did you feel like you know what i done the best that i can i'm it's going to take me quite a bit of a minute to to go past that um i think it might have been a little bit of both because i feel like the time in between my first project and this one uh, was a good amount of time and a lot of life has happened since then so i feel like to me the best albums are created when life happens like as you live life so i wouldn't be 
Like, I'm not working on another album right now. I mean, this one is, you know, was everything that I've been through for the past three years up until now as well. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it's a good standard that I set to kind of move forward, you know, and on the next album, know what kind of worked and what, you know, may not have worked as well as I thought, that type of thing. But I don't want people to think like, it's another album coming like by the end of this year or next year or some shit like that. Yeah, it's not gonna be for a while. Yeah, yeah. They're okay. gonna be dropping like singles here and there, right? Yeah, no, it'll definitely, there is definitely still gonna be content that's that's released, but like this, the reason why I focus so much on calling it an album is because the way that I worked on it like the structure the format of them is one of an album like you would think it was a major label like releasing it like that type of thing the the music on the album that's how that's how it sounds it's not really mixtapey like a lot of the songs are three four minutes Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah it's not like one like two minute songs or like stuff that sounds like they've all been freestyles and shit so no, I, I really want people to grow with this album. Like even if, right when it came out, if there's not like tons of blogs talking or whatever the fuck, I think that this album can grow with people, and it can grow over time too. Like you can listen to this the day it came out, and you can listen to it eight months later, and you're still gonna be finding new parts of the album. Like oh shit, like. Two months ago, Play For Keeps was my favorite song. Now my favorite song is Autumn. Or my favorite song is Solid or Ready or Not. Or I'm really bumping wave, wave, wave when I go to the gym or, you know, at parties and shit like that, whatever. Do you know if you're going to do a video for any of the songs that are on your yeah. album? Yeah. Yeah, um, those will be coming as well. Cool, cool. Definitely. I think I have an idea of which songs they are. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell that um, yet. I mean, I want to do a song. For, I want to do a, a video for every song. Um, but I know that probably won't happen. But I mean, we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna oh, work some shit. Video out. album. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna work Get some shit. Get the video version out. of yeah, it. It's gonna it's gonna be dope regardless. When you made this project, did you have any musical influences that you referenced while making this, or are you kind of just? I want to be singularity. No, I definitely listened to a couple different albums. Like, well, I mean, I listen to music all the time, but as I was searching for beats and writing songs, like some of the albums I listened to were like um, Nas, Illmatic, um, like Jay Z, Reasonable Doubt, Black Album, Damn by Kendrick, and just kind of taking elements from that and just being like, that was dope. Like, you know, how they did that, how they did this. Biggie, Life After Death. Um, just listening to those and just kind of getting that inspiration. And I'm like, okay, so Ready or Not kind of sounds like my version of this, but my spin on it or this is how I came up with that type of song. So different shit like that. Um, but definitely has some musical influences when creating this album. Who were your musical influences like when you were growing up? Um, when I was growing up, wow, like what we listened to, like my my mom is really responsible for putting me onto 
like rap and hip hop, like she bought 50 Cent Get Rich or Die Trying album. Mm-hmm. Like she was the one that would buy the CDs and I would just kind of take it in and listen to it on my own time, like Life After Death. Um, like she bought me a lot of the Kanye West albums and shit like that. Um, but that's kind of when I was getting to a point where I could find the stuff myself. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my influence was, yeah, it was a lot of hip hop. AKA the internet. Yeah, yeah. When I was able to get to it, yeah, it was the internet. But uh, when she was playing music for us, it was just whatever CDs that she had, she would just play. like Or watching videos on MTV back when they actually showed music videos all day. Like shit like that. Who was your favorite artist growing up? Growing up, wow. Like if you had to just pick one. Well, I I mean... That's like literally trying to... That's that's a hard question, but I want to see if you could find at least one that you could commit to. Growing up? Yeah, that's crazy, because I didn't like... I mean, by the time I... Let's see. Hmm. The only real, like, artist I remember her playing for us when when I was young was probably, yeah, probably Biggie. When I was able to access music on my own, then it would have been 50 Cent. Like, I was a huge 50 Cent G-Unit fan. Like, every G-Unit member's album, I bought that shit. Like, I was Mm -hmm. on it. But growing up, yeah, I don't really remember a lot of different artists aside from I just vividly remember having the life or death double disc, like the case and everything. (laughs) Yeah, I just vividly remember having that. Uh, But yeah, no, probably once I was able to access it myself, it was probably Fifty Cent, Fifty Cent and Jay Z. Paige, who'd you listen to growing up? Drake, (laughs) Destiny's Child. I forgot she is she is the youngest. She's the youngest. Red Hot Chili Peppers because my mom. That's dope. Uh, Amy Winehouse because my mom. Okay, the, so she was into like the really cool eclectic, but my dad listens to Bob Marley. There were some potheads. <laughs> Maybe that's where I get it from. Oh, oh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> most definitely, and, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I like I like that aspect of my life that I came from Mm -hmm. being around a lot of music what made you even get into like music as like a creative outlet honestly this is when the 10 toes challenge like came out but I remember being like young like five years old like trying to write my own songs because like I was listening to like Britney Spears and Mm -hmm. like I wanted to be like her you know but like um really getting into it there was like a 10 toes challenge this was when it was a popular Mm -hmm. and um like I had tried to do it and my friend Bendo had a studio so he's like just come over like we'll Mm -hmm. record it whatever and so we recorded it and it sounded okay and then they were like okay now we need to come up for a name and because we had Bendo and Lando in the, their little group they were like Peso so I was like bet I'll go with Peso yeah. and then uh, since since I had a name for me I was like okay now that I have a name I have to keep making music yeah. so you know it kind of triggered you know my love for it was it when you started interning was when you started really getting into like the production aspect or have you always been curious about that 
I've always, I as soon as I like got the name Peso, I ordered a laptop and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm gonna take this serious. And like, I just, I started on GarageBand, you know, so I was always doing my own stuff, mm-hmm. always editing and like my old songs sound crappy as hell because mm-hmm. like I didn't know what I was doing, but at the time I thought it sounded good, you know? Yeah. So from going from that to like where I am now and like I could engineer my stuff and I it could sound good. Like it, mm-hmm. like I had that late night call song that was on the radio. Yeah. I That was from GarageBand. I literally did that on GarageBand and they thought it was good enough quality for it. She can definitely do some ja- damage on GarageBand for sure. <laughs> Like she sent me like rough cuts of different things, and I'm like, this is definitely halfway there. Like all you need to do is just fine tune it and refine it a little bit, and you're good to go. That's why I like Logic a lot because it's like GarageBand, just more advanced. Yeah, it has the same layout. Yeah, that's there's why I like that. There's literally in Logic, there's a GarageBand mode where it's basically you can make it seem like it's GarageBand. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really it. That is that's that's really that's awesome. Crazy. Yeah, it's it's interesting where you start and then where you start to kind of head. When did you guys both start realizing like, okay, I'm pretty cold at this. I just got to keep going. I just got to level up a little bit. I ain't realized it yet, so. Um, probably. I mean, when we were doing our when we were doing Super Fresh Bros, I realized that I was you know skilled at what I what we doing. And I realized that we had something also as a team. Mm-hmm. But as as we started to go, like I said, with everything that just, you know, kind of led up to us just deciding to, to stop doing it, I started to do music on my own, like just recording stuff on my own, <clears throat> just like writing verses and different stuff like that. And as I would put this stuff out, I mean, I'm not the type of person that like, I'm not gonna self-proclaim anything. Mm-hmm. I just let my work show. So when I would put out like freestyles or remixes and shit like that, and people would be like, yo, you, like that shit is cold. Like yeah. more people, like I just got that from them, from them just telling me that, you know? So I just stayed humble with it. And it was just like, all right, I'm gonna keep going with this. And that's why like we were talking previously, I didn't focus that much on actual like bars and lyricism on this album i mean the bars are still there mm-hmm. but it's i know i can do i can go harder lyric like mc wise but i just focus more on actually crafting songs to make a, a overall a better sound for the project overall instead of just putting a bunch of beats together like i'm finna just lyrically murder every beat so, I mean, I know I have that, but I want to also expand my creativity range as well. Mm-hmm. If money was no option to you, what would you creatively do different in the studio? If money was no option? Um, kind of slip a little curveball in there. I, I don't, I mean, I would just probably book longer sessions, mm-hmm. but that's about it. Like... Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if I'm the session that we did that twelve hour session. Yeah, that lets that let me know that I don't know if it's just because it was hot as hell there, but that let <laughs> me know that I don't think I want to be one of those people that like just go to the studio all day, like sleep there, you know, 
listen to beats like, like it work takes on the stuff. Fun out of it a little bit. It does a little yeah. bit. I mean, if money is a no option, then I guess you don't really doesn't matter because the money that you're paying is no option. But I don't want to be forced. Like I feel like when you're there all day, as the day progresses, you're like, all right, what have we done so far? Like, what are we doing? We got to get more productive. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to. And then you're fucking tired or you're hungry. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think I would book. I mean, I would book longer sessions, but probably not like those day long. I, I think the longest I could go and not start to lose it creatively is probably like six hours. Yeah. I was going to say that too. Yeah. That just gave me an interesting perspective because when money is no option to you, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And I guess the consistency that I keep hearing, not just from you, but other people is just time. Yeah. Just time to work on things. And it's interesting because it really signifies that music is going in a different direction is, especially in the recording industry, how can we find a way to where we can do great quality work in a longer period of time still affordable because one of the biggest things is everybody can get a laptop everybody can get a microphone interface you have pro tools you can record a song right you have logic you can record a song you have fruit loops you can record a song so now it's okay what separates the experience from just somebody doing it at home i.e page is an example she records majority of her stuff at home Anytime she wants to be a human sampler, she'll just be here and she'll be able to flesh those ideals out. Um, it's interesting because I've always thought the more things you can add into a session, an artist would be more enticed. But it's actually the exact opposite. They just need more time. Because one of the things I had thought of, if money was no issue, I would make sure to have a tape machine. I would have an assortment of analog gear as in like analog drum machines uh analog gear that i can you know put different things through um whether if it's sounds of a drum machine into uh some really nice preamps into some distortion pedals and shit like that to get really cool textures so when you hear the song it's completely one of one never heard anything like it from anywhere else to um personnel that can actually play music whether if it's a drummer bass player guitarist lead guitarist rhythm guitarists, vocalists, choirs, you know, where you can damn near have a whole symphony if you wanted to. But yeah. it's interesting that it really just boils down to, I just want more damn time to work on my song. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because you also ask an artist, like we don't, we don't have to show up with like different analog gears and, mm -hmm. you know, different stuff that you would be looking at it from an engineer standpoint. So yeah, we just like, just more time, like, or I, yeah, I would just be here more frequent. Like, mm -hmm. be like, instead of once every three weeks for five hours. You'd be every, here every day. Exactly. It's like, I'd be here eight hours a day. No, no. Eight days a week. No, like four hours. Four, I feel like a good four to five hours, like four to five times a week, that's great. Because you have time. Like, you can get your ideas out quickly. Like, if I think of something today or tonight, I know I'm coming back here tomorrow, so we're gonna be able to get it done. And I still have it and it still feels fresh. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to I don't I really don't know how people do it with the whole I locked myself in the studio for three four three straight. four days and this is what I mean like dude that's kind of like that's weird bro like I haven't showered you haven't ain't brushed got my teeth, right you ain't got eaten. no sunlight <laughs> on the studios are dark you ain't got no sunlight like I mean I get it if you if it's like if the studio is set up where you have a bed, you have a shower, you have a kitchen, like you turned it into a home, that's different. Yeah. But for like just this setup, like imagine if we was here for three or four days straight. That's that's wild. That's I don't think I could do that. Yeah, no. It's interesting because I think when I read I think one of the albums that I can probably list front to back of different things that happened and probably know the most knowledge about is Drake's Take Care. And I remember reading different comments on like blogs and interviews that when he's in album mode, he literally will set up a really big ass king size bed in the middle of the vocal booth and sleep there. (laughs) And then he'll have multiple like sleeping quarters for different producers and stuff that will come in and will literally lock him in the room. Well, I mean, see, that's that's different because, like, that's something to where that you can set up to where it's like, it's a whole thing. Like, you know, yeah. it's it's like a damn near like a fucking retreat that you're going to. Like, all right, yeah. I'm going to Drake's album retreat, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, you I feel like it's a little more militant. There. I think in Drake's probably for him. Yeah, it they is. probably already yeah. expect it. They're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, heard, I heard it gets is. pretty rough there, like, because he don't like to work with anybody in the studio. So you're continuously just working on beats, sending them out to him, working on beats, sending it out to him, making a few changes, sending it out to him, make a few changes, sending it out to him. Where I feel like in someone like Jay Cole's case is when he did this, this stuff with Dreamville for uh, Revenge of the, was it Revenge of the Revenge Dreamers? Of the Dreamers. Um, he just had a bunch of people in the studio for 10 days. Everybody kept coming in and out make different beats, make different songs, and they just compiled them together, which is really dope because everybody had to play a part into making a group project. But imagine having the same amount of people come through for like a just one person project. Like that shit would be chaotic. Yeah. Holy cow. I don't know if I, I, I think I could manage it, but I don't think I could do that for like months because he too, he does that for like months at a time. Yeah, when he get in album mode, yeah. I think uh, it's not a stop. Yeah, I think our was I think I was listening to like a Majid Jordan interview. He said they were locked in the studio for like months. Yeah, no, like only like, had very specific times to me, go Mr. out. Mr. Drake, like, sir, I have somewhere to be. <laughs> nope. <laughs> then yeah, you can't really say damn because yeah, you can't say nothing. You, like you just paying you too is like yeah, that's Drake, yo. You can't. It's like shit, damn. That's rough. I just wish I'd be around 40 all the time. <laughs> like, I guess cool. Like, I would love to see Drake record because I heard he's just a monster in the studio, but I would love to see how quick, fast, efficient. Like, I want to see how 40's workflow truly looks and say, yeah, I'm going to copy this. <laughs> <laughs> I damn near copied your sound. So let me let me just copy the workflow. Get the rest too. of it yeah. anyway, right? Yeah, let me get yeah. the cheat codes. And while you're at it, can you give uh, Gadget's number for me? So. <laughs> I want to see I want to see the entire connection of where his music goes and just say okay how can I have that on my own right you know yeah that's dope oh am I playing footsies with you by accident oh yeah I tend to do that kick my feet <laughs> out but man like it's it's crazy how long has the album been out for 
first um, Robotron. It's June twenty first. So okay. I mean, it's been a little more, a little over a month. Almost two months. Yeah, almost two months. We're like what week and a half away? Yeah. Two weeks away from two months. Two months. It literally feels like we just finished it. Yeah, like it, it feels like the listening party was just like. I yesterday. know. I feel drunk still. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun night. Yeah, that, that was, was such wild. a fun night. Wow. <laughs> it was funny. A lot. Everybody, everybody said they're like, "Dang, I didn't know Paige got down like that." She was a you got open bar yeah. Yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, you were you were down. Like that's that was fun. I had a lot of fun. Well, if anybody hasn't listened to Surfer Drone, it's on Spotify, on Apple Music. On Title, on YouTube, on SoundCloud. Not on SoundCloud yet. Oh, it's not on SoundCloud yet. It's on Audio Mac though. That's Shout that's a new Mac. wave. I, I didn't really. I hit up um, on Twitter. I just been like shooting my shot at people lately. So um, I saw the editor in chief um, Brian from DJ Booth. He shared something, and then I was like, "You should uh, let me send you my album and check that shit out." And he was like email and bio and I hit him up and he's and I guess DJ Booth is really working with Audio Mac so he was like well for starters we gotta get your album on Audio Mac and I was like oh shit it's not on Audio Mac I hit Marshawn like bro put 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 the album on Audio Mac you got the files this this and that mm-hmm. da, 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 da. and then he put it on Audio Mac I don't know if he personally listened yet he hasn't emailed me back but hopefully he did but we put it on Audio Mac it hasn't even been a month I don't even think it's been three weeks. That shit is at like three thousand plays. Oh, that yeah, that catapulted. That's interesting. Audio Mac, I Crazy. guess, is the plug. I, I've seen it's some like people a different go, universe, damn yeah, near. Like yeah. you got like your Spotify, title, Apple shit, and then you have like SoundCloud. Some people still use that Piff, and then there's Audio Mac, and then I'm like, I didn't even thought to use that, but. Yeah. Going through the notifications, like, they are eating solid up, bro. Like, everybody I see favorited, playlisted, playlisted, favorited, playlisted, and it's all solid. Yes. That's dope. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, because she's on the song, too. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, of That's course, crazy. I need that to happen, And it's too. at 3,000 plays, like, the album. Like, just That's like that. Tough. I think wow. I'm going to have to hop on that wave, too. And it's free, so people don't have to have a subscription to use it. So you can easily check the album out on Audio Mac now. I actually have noticed their interface, when, like when you get the app. Yes. It is pretty user-friendly. It, it is, is pretty nice. It is very user-friendly. I would say SoundClouds is probably the worst. They're the trying to get to... better. They finally allow yeah. you to edit your profile. Yeah. I saw that yesterday when I listened to Rio Project. Shout out, Rio. Yeah, shout out to Rio. My, that's Milo's brother. Yeah. Um, I definitely like the. it's starting to get better because um, before it just used to be so cumbersome. Like... It just was never it would never work mm-hmm. anytime you would try to play a link it would play the link through like a media browser right and then Safari you would have to click the app you would have to like go listen on the app but then you would have to pretend like you're gonna download it right just yeah. to get to the app Some and i'm like it's, at, by that time that's a whole song that you just wasted <laughs> you just trying to listen go no listen to a song you're like i'm done now yeah you don't even want to hear it anymore but yeah it's on, it's not on soundcloud yet i i gotta i gotta upload it to that I'm sorry, SoundCloud users. I've been neglecting my SoundCloud, but <laughs> trying to get rich off the Spotify and Apple Wave. But it's on Audio Mac, so um, it'll be coming to a couple other platforms soon too. Are you planning on doing any shows in the near future? 
Yes. Um, we'll be announcing that next. Well, I don't know when this is coming out, but we'll be announcing that soon. You're going to bring your championship belt with you? Yes. <laughs> so I got to ask, what? Why, why do you always have the championship belt? If you actually look on your Spotify account, you, you do have the championship yeah. belt with you. So what it's, was the purpose uh, from that? It's actually... It's not a long story, but to make a uh, to make a long story short, uh, short short story long, uh, when I first started going solo, for those that watch wrestling, they kind of get the correlation. So like, I started with the Money in the Bank briefcase, which I do still have, um, and the way like it's basically like a ranking system, like in in WWE when people get the briefcase, it's basically like a free shot at the heavyweight title whenever they cash it in. So most people will like, if they see the champion just had a match and they're weak, they'll cash it in and get the, you know, get the quick opportunity. Um, but I don't personally feel like I'm at the heavyweight championship level yet. So the title that I got is the intercontinental title, which is like the mid card. Yeah, It's like the mid card, like the workhorse title, like for somebody that's, not top level, but it's grinding like super hard to be a heavyweight champion. So that's why I chose that title instead of the heavyweight. And yeah, I carry that with me at shows. We're shooting the video today whenever Brian get here and I'm gonna have, I have it with me too, so. It's a cool, nice little uh, outfit piece too. Definitely. It's white, so it Definitely. kinda goes with everything. That's another reason why I like it because the heavyweight title is black and it's a lot bigger and more clunky. And like I said, I don't feel like I'm at that level anyway. So yeah, the title's white, it's cool looking. The briefcase was a big thing because people never really seen no shit like that before. Like yeah. why is this man walking around with a briefcase that says money in the bank? And I would just walk, I would just go to shows with it. And I would just sit on the stage and they'd be like, bro, you call with the money in the bank. You got money. Like people that didn't even watch wrestling was like, you got money in the bank, money wave. I see yeah. what you're doing. And the people that watch wrestling is like, oh shit, you really about that life. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. You just gave me an interesting idea. What? So you know how they have, like you said, the money in the bank briefcase? what you would do is make like you can get prop money like paper money or whatever but see if you can actually get your qr code to your album printed on it oh, and fill dope. the entire briefcase up Damn, with that you're giving gems so when hey. somebody's like yo what's what's really in the what's really in the money in the bank bag or in the briefcase you open it up it's scan that code real quick Damn, I'm about to bring that back. <laughs> but I actually, it's a fully functional briefcase. Like I use it. That's for what shit. I'm saying, like, because I know it's a fully functional. Yeah, briefcase. I've seen, I've seen, it, like, in pictures and whatnot. I was like, yo, that'd be really cool to have, like, Damn. fake money that has like a QR I code. Do that. Yeah, that's cold. God, I used to just carry around shit like I needed for the show, like shoes mm -hmm. or like whatever the fuck I needed to put in there. But I like that. I might have to bring that back. I got, I got a few in the tank. We got to do some talking off air. <laughs> I don't want anybody to take my ideas now. Well, your ideas should. Hey, I'm always, I'm always going to have those. So I like just have to share them. Because <laughs> if I keep them all in here, they get completely bombarded. And then I just won't have those same ideas to for later. So it's like I'll literally leave one, replace it with another. But yeah, that's the story behind 
the title and why I carry it. Well, I appreciate it, man. I, like I said, I really appreciate you coming through to to come through to do this podcast man. so early. I'm glad we got a chance to have some sparkling wine with some, some orange nice juice, some breakfast, mimosas. breakfast. Yeah, we did it up. Appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, um, no, no I'm problem. really excited for you know when this comes out, the future episodes, and just seeing how you could take this platform like to the next level because I definitely think it could be really something really dope. So I'm glad you had me. Cool, man. It's it's a work in progress. I mean, you know, I did three episodes, took a really long hiatus. It was like several, several months. But I think I did that was because I wanted to really figure out where I wanted to take this. And once I kind of got a little more serious with it, but I didn't want to just put out episodes just to put out episodes. Right. No matter, even if it's just being consistent, I really wanted to see where I can grow, what things I can learn. And then once the consistency comes in, everything has a purpose. So I think you have being the first person to be on the show, it'll be really much more fun. And I feel like easier to manage because that was another thing, like working on so many projects at once and then getting a chance to come here and record. It gets a little daunting and I'm like, I don't want to dread coming in here to do it. I want to be able to enjoy doing this time and it's almost like a break from everything else and just having a conversation of things that we did so i think it's going to be really fun for the near future so i'm really excited about it and i think everybody that's been listening that has given me feedback just loves how conversational it is it's not nothing too crazy and something that they can't digest on their way to work or when they're just kind of relaxing want to feel creative but they don't have anybody around so cool why not put on a podcast with somebody i actually know you know yeah, I feel you. So, all right, my dude. Dope. Well, we'll see you guys next time for episode five. Holy crap. It's going to be pretty awesome to do. <laughs> so I think I got a couple of things on my sleeve that I'm going to incorporate in there. So we'll see you guys next time. Wave. Wave. Mind that wheeze and sound is pitched high when I'm breathing out. Them little people gon' die if I don't feed their mouth. Feed on the friendly cows playing while the ship down. Now it's muffin music while the needle drown. Judas, you was pen pals with the Gentiles. So if this the last supper, we gon' eat it now. Eat it now, nigga. Like college kids, you stay ready, you ain't